0: Today being the fourth Sunday of Lent, it mirrors the third Sunday of Advent where it becomes kind of like a mini reprieve during our long season of penance, which is why, just like the third Sunday of Advent, we wear rose, it's pink. Today I'm fine in pink, I'm good. And then we get this parable that we all know well, because today, We rejoice, and we rejoice at God's mercy. Up until now through Lent, we've spent a lot of time reflecting on sin, and rightfully so, because this is a season of repentance where we're trying to learn how to turn our minds and our hearts back to God. But our joy as Christians is the experience of God's mercy. And I don't know if there is a better story in all of Scripture exemplifying the mercy of the Father than the parable of the prodigal son. But it's also the most detailed and intricate of all of Jesus' parables. And so, to really get the effect of the Father's mercy, you have to know what the details are saying. So, first, it starts with a man had two sons, which is a common beginning for stories in the Old Testament. Think of Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers. Having two sons is the start of a great story of God's salvation. And then the younger comes to his father and says, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. He comes to his dad and he says, I wish you were dead. Give me what would be mine if you were dead. He doesn't say, could I have would you consider, he says, give it to me. And the father, taking the risk of losing both his son and a third of his property, which would have been the inheritance of the younger son, takes that risk and gives it to him, gives his son his freedom to do with it as he pleases. And because the son is who he is, the son gathers all he has a few days later, and takes off with a third of his father's property, inheritance, and says, good riddance. And he goes to a far distant land, and he wastes one third of his father's property in very little time. And then a famine comes over the land. And then he has to hire himself out for work. And then nobody gives him anything. He's hit rock bottom. He cannot go any lower. Why? Because he's in a distant land. He's in Gentile territory. He's away from his own people and from his father's house. He's no longer a son who works with his father on the land. Now he has to hire himself out to people he doesn't know. And then what job does he get? Feeding pigs, which is not that glorious of a job to begin with. But remember, he is a Jew. Being anywhere near pigs would make him unclean and makes him unfit to be with his people until he is ritually purified from being with the swine. And then he is so desperate in hitting rock bottom that he would even eat what they're eating because nobody wants to associate with him and give him anything. But it's in that desperation where he's lost himself. He's lost all sense of who he is and of what he's living for that he remembers. Just a glimmer of the goodness that was in his father's house. Not how much his father loves him. He doesn't remember that. He just remembers that I'm here working and I can't feed myself. But the slaves in my father's house, they at least get enough to eat. So maybe if I go back on my knees, to my father, and say, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just let me be a slave. Please, pretty please, just let me be a slave in your house so I don't die. And so he rehearses his apology, trying to craft it so that maybe his father will be merciful enough to let him work the land and survive. So he starts to make his way back his father. But then it's very explicit that his father sees him whilst he's still a long ways off. Which means that his father was waiting for him. If he saw him coming, he was looking for him. And even then, he doesn't stand there on the front stoop of his house waiting for his son to come back and grovel. He sees him and he runs to him. He leaves his own property to go meet his son on neutral territory. And he was an old man. And he was a rich old man, meaning he was dressed in robes. And ladies who wear dresses, how do you run in a dress? Not very dignified. You have to gather up all your robes and then you run. This rich old man of dignity runs to his son. And before his son can even utter a syllable, he embraces him and kisses him. And then the son musters up his courage. Now he's got his rehearsed apology, and he starts, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father interrupts him before he can even finish. And he fetches his slaves and says, Go get a robe and the ring and sandals and kill the fatted calf. The robe is the return of all of his riches. The ring, the signet ring, is the ring of his family's crest, his inheritance returned. The sandals on his feet means there's no way you're going to be a slave in my field, you are my son. And the fatted calf was kept for the greatest feast of the entire year. This is the gift back to the son before he's even really apologized in the mercy of the Father. Now, because this is all so dense, most priests, by the time we get to there, you've already got a 15-minute homily, so they end. You're stuck with the older brother today. Sometimes we forget the older brother. So the party is happening in the Father's house, celebrating this son who was lost and has been found, was dead and was brought back to life. And he gets close enough that he can hear what's going on. And he calls over a slave to tell him what's going on. Why doesn't he go in? Why doesn't he go into his father's house? He doesn't want to be in his father's house. And he asks what's going on, and he finds out it's a party for his brother, and so then he resentfully starts to pout. And again, the father leaves his house to go and meet his elder son where he is at in all of his bitterness and anger. And so then all of the anger that has built up in the elder son over years comes out all at once. It says, how dare you? He took one third of all of your property, took off, wasted it. He accuses his brother of things that we don't even know, of spoiling it all on prostitutes. It doesn't tell us that before, but now he's judging his brother for his life. He's saying, this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours has done this. And I have obeyed you every day of my life, working your fields. And you wouldn't even give me a goat to celebrate with my friends. It's their fields. Not his father's fields. They belong to both of them. He didn't work them for his dad. He worked them with his dad. He didn't remember all of the celebrations that he had with his father in his house. He just wanted to go celebrate away from his father with his friends. The elder brother is the one who deep down really wants to do what the younger brother did but just doesn't have the courage. Who thinks by being obedient he'll ultimately get what he wants. And then again, the father comes back and says, my son, we had to celebrate because this brother of yours was dead and has been brought back to life. All that I have is yours. It's always been yours. If you can only see it. This is the mercy of our God. Then, if that wasn't enough, Jesus willingly becomes the prodigal son for our sake. We hear in St. Paul's letter today that Jesus who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus willingly becomes the one who leaves the father's house and accepts being the one who is desolate who has no one with him abandoned at the cross. So that when we say in the creed today, he descended into hell, Jesus experiences within himself that separation from the Father for our sake. So that he can bring us back into the Father's house. So that through Jesus, even though we are sometimes more like the elder son, where we don't want to receive what the Father is giving, Jesus brings us back to our inheritance of the sons and daughters of God. Because as Christians, our joy is the mercy of God.